Let's open in a word of prayer. Father God, <clears throat> thank you so much for everything you've done for us. Lord, how you've protected us, how you've given us a hope. Um, I know our ways are not like your ways, but uh, you allow us to be on your team if we have that personal relationship with you. Lord, I pray that you will just uh, flow through us this morning, uh, that you will teach us something new, that you will use me as a broken vessel uh, to spread your message of hope. And Lord, I pray that you will um, just guide us as we uh, come and worship you in your name. Amen. So we've been in Guatemala for four and a half years. Um, we loved it uh, and, and just will always cherish those memories there. But the president of our mission, Camino Global, um, he was a missionary kid himself in uh, Honduras. And so he asked us a while back if we would consider taking on a new position as directors of all of the missionary kids in our mission, which is 92 missionary kids from college age to little children. And so we prayed about it, talked with the team that we had, um, and we, we said yes. And this new position, as you all saw in the video, uh, will be traveling all especially Central America, but kind of all around the world. And we'll be doing member care. We'll be doing reentry programs for our missionary kids that have either been in the jungle or wherever and help them adjust to life in the United States. Um, you know, doing all kinds of stuff, conflict resolution amongst our missionaries. The number one reason why missionaries leave the field is conflict, uh, the conflicts that they have amongst each other. Because we're humans and we're flawed and we have a hard time getting along together sometimes. That never happens here, right? I, never, no, I, I figured it didn't happen here. Um, and so that's what our job also will be going there and helping them with interpersonal relationships, either with their own kids as missionary kids and their parents or with other missionaries themselves. And what happens is a lot of times if there's a, is a conflict or whatever, the um, missionaries have to leave the field and get some counseling or, or, or help. And a lot of times they don't come back to the mission field. And so that's one less missionary on the mission field, which we need more missionaries on the mission field. And so what we want to try to do is kind of lower those percentages of people leaving the mission field through conflict resolution and keeping them on the field. Um, also, that happens, of course, as we know, with their own children. A lot of times they're... They're there because their mom and dad want them to be there. And so they don't have a choice in the matter. And so we want to kind of heal those relationships or, or bring those relationships, help the missionary kids identify with not only their parents but the ministry that they have. I just got back from a uh, Christian counseling conference in Indiana, and different people came to me and got to know me and, and asked me, you know, what is one of the main reasons... Um, that missionary kids leave or, or, or leave the faith or, or not have anything to do with Christ. Um, and it's because they, they didn't really find an identity in and of themselves of who they are as a person of what God has called them to do. And so the, on, on contrast to that, the number one reason why missionary kids go on to have a successful relationship uh, with Christ and the church is because they got involved in their parents' ministries as much as possible. And that's what happened to me. Um, when I was a Bolivia, uh, missionary kid in Bolivia for eight years, 
Um, a lot of my friends that weren't involved and didn't participate in the ministries um, of their parents, they, they have turned away from their faith and have nothing to do with God, have nothing to do with church. And that's a high percentage amongst missionary kids. And so we're here to kind of be that liaison to help them out, to help them identify of, of who they are in Christ and, and in their ministry there. And so the ones, my friends, that were involved in their parents' ministries, they have gone on to be successful in their relationship with Christ. So anyways, that's kind of what we're going to be working on and, and dealing with this is a grassroots ministry. It's, it's something new, the vision of, of the president of our mission board had, and we're going to be kind of doing that. Um, so we will be based out of Dallas, Texas. That's where uh, the Camino Global Central Head Office is. But I will be traveling to Central South America. Um, we even have missionary kids here in the United States. So we'll be uh, ministering to them, um, helping out with new missionaries that join our mission board and things like that. And so pray for us as we are in new territories. Um, uh, it's it's going to be really exciting, but we're... Um, but it's all new. And so God's going to do something new and amazing. Um, and I think about Paul when Paul says, why build on another man's foundation? You know, start a new ministry, do a pioneer ministry that hasn't really been done before. And so that's what we're kind of looking and hoping to do. So pray for us and, and thank you again. Once again, I want to say thank you. I can't say thank you to you guys enough. Y'all are amazing. Y'all are, are giving. Y'all pray for us. Y'all think about us. Um, we really miss Meadowbrook when we're gone on the mission field. And so I just want to say thank you uh, just for your heart, for us, for missions. Um, and, and I don't know what else to say. Y'all are just amazing people. And we always think about you and we pray for you. Um, and thank you for praying for us. So that's a little bit of, of the ministry that we will be doing. And we'll be updating you guys on what's going on with this new ministry. Um, also want to let you know if you're interested, I know that this time of year, a lot of churches, they do like these little shoe boxes for Samaritan's Purse or military families or something like that. We are actually starting to do that with some of our missionary kids. And if you're interested, we want to do like little shoe boxes with stuff for our missionary kids all around the world um, and send those packages um, and shoe boxes to them um, throughout the years for their birthdays and Christmas and things like that. That just means something little. I remember when we were on the mission field and I was about eight years old, being in the middle of the jungle, not having anything, and somebody sent us a care package with some American gum and books or whatever. That just meant the world to us, just these small things. So if you, if you feel like God is laying on your heart to do something like that, just uh, talk to Hannah and I and we'll work something out like that. Today I want to talk to you guys in our Advent about hope. In the first words, of, as we think as human beings, when we think of hope and we look at our world around us, is, is there's not much of, of a good definition of hope. Our hope is maybe I'll get a bike for Christmas, or I hope that um, I get good things and blessings that will happen to us. But the hope in the Bible is something totally different from that. The hope, and I don't know if we have that definition up there of hope, but I'll read that definition. Hope in the scripture always means a strong and confident expectation, a certainty. And so there's a guarantee of a, and a certainty of our hope and our relationship with God that the world doesn't bring. There are two parts to this Christian hope, okay? And the first one I want to look at is the eternal hope that we have in Christ. 
And if you have your Bibles and you can follow along, though I think we'll have some of the verses up on the board also, is this uh, is Titus chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. Our salvation in Christ is eternal, certain, and nothing can take it away. Not many things are guaranteed in this life, but this is eternal. Uh, Paul says, a Paul, a bondservant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, for the faith of those chosen of God and the knowledge of the truth, which is according to godliness, in the hope of eternal life, which God, who cannot lie, promised long ages ago. So from the foundations of the earth, before the foundations of the earth, in eternity past, he set this hope for us. And it's guaranteed from him. Romans eight twenty four through 25 says, For in hope we have been saved, but hope that is seen is not hope. For why does one also hope for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, with perseverance we wait eagerly for it. Our eternal hope is our salvation, not in what we see. If we try to find our hope in this life, we will be greatly disappointed, right? And we've all experienced tragedy. We've seen wars taking place. We've seen shootings take place. We've seen all kinds of tragedies that happen around this world. And doesn't look like there's a lot of hope, right? But the hope that we have from Christ is a sure, eternal, and a certain thing. In uh, John 3.17, it says, we all know that famous passage from John 3.16, but in John 3.17, it says, for God did not send his son... For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Our eternal hope is is what Christ did for us. And what did he do? And we all know the verse in John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. And that's a guarantee. That's a promise that we can have. Um, The second part of this hope is our hope in this life. Um, as I've talked to different missionaries and different friends of mine in ministry, um, I've noticed, and, and my mentor um, has recently gone through traumatic things um, with his daughter, uh, with his son passing away. Um, on this Christian retreat, I actually rode up from Knoxville to um, Indiana with him, and he, he got to share with me and invest in my life. And we were talking about suffering, and we were talking about the tragedies in life. And from a worldly standpoint, we see these tragedies, these hardships, and it's very discouraging, and there's no hope in that. But Christ, through this hope, gives us a peace and a joy that passes all understanding uh, that we can't receive from anything anywhere else but God. And as he was sharing with me, he says, Jordan, through my suffering... I've actually had a greater hope in God than ever before. Um, Through my suffering, I've come to know who Christ is in a deep personal way to me. And I thought that was really encouraging and, and inspiring to see his hope that he has. But we have that hope inside of us. Our hope gives us victory over the struggles of this life. Take, um, think about for a minute. Not only do we have eternal hope that promises us security forever, but also have a daily hope that gives us peace and joy that surpasses all understanding. This hope that we have, if you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, gives us the power to overcome sin, despair, addiction. This hope 
leads us to have a victorious life. And so this hope that we have is not just eternal, like, oh yeah, if I can just tough this life out, and if I can do good things, and if I can go to church, and if I can do all the things that I'm I'm taught to do, and, and I have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, then I will experience this hope. Yes, we have that, but we have this hope also in everyday life, that we can overcome any sin, any struggle in our life. Isn't that freeing? To me, that's freeing. <laughs> and, and I'm used to kind of speaking in, sometimes in Latin American circles, and, and, and they kind of talk back, and they're like, yes, amen. So if you don't say amen, that's okay. You know, that's all right. Uh, to me, that's exciting. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so this, this hope that we have is I know that I can wake up every day and know that he's going to come through for me. He will never let me down. People, this world, everything will let me down, but God will never let me down. This hope is secure. It's trustworthy. It's, it's, it's certain. I remember as a missionary kid growing up in Bolivia, South America, I was there for eight years. Um, even though I was a, a young man, I kind of understood a little bit of this hope, of an everyday hope. We moved into a city called San Matias. It's on the border of Brazil and Bolivia. And this town was called the Green Hell. Number one, because it was super hot. But number two, it was very satanic. There was local witch doctors and witches that were fasting and praying for our deaths and controlled. There was a, it was a demonic presence that controlled the town. Um, and so when we got there, we were the first evangelicals to plant a church there. And Satan didn't like that. And so he pulled out all the stops to try to, to defeat us, to destroy us. Um, one of the people that were involved in all this stuff hired a hitman to come kill myself and my family. Um, and this guy, I'll tell you a quick story. This, this guy that was supposed to come kill our family knocked on our door, and I opened the door, and he says, I want to talk to your dad. And I was like, okay. So my dad comes up, and he says, I've come here to kill you and your whole family but I can't do it. So my dad's like, oh, thank you. <laughs> thank you. Um, he says, I don't know if you remember this or not. He says, but years, uh, a year or so ago, you were walking down a trail to this city, um, and you shared with me a hope and a purpose in this life. And to give you a quick backstory on that, when... My dad was doing a survey trip to this city. He was going to go there to see if this is exactly where God wanted him to go. And so he stepped out on faith, did this survey trip. There's this little airport strip. It's just made out of dirt. And so the airplanes barely get in and barely fly out. And then there's this one trail that leads to the city. Um, and it's dirt, and it's in the, all of it's in the middle of the jungle. And so there was no taxis or really there's, I think, two vehicles in the whole city. And so you had to walk everywhere or have a bike. And so he's walking down this trail, and, and, and the Holy Spirit just keeps putting on my dad's heart. He's like, witness to this guy next to you that's kind of walking down the trail with you. And he's like, no, i gotta get to, I got to get to hurry up and get to the city. You know how we are as humans. We want to hurry up and get stuff done and do, do all this stuff. stuff. And, and the Holy Spirit's like, no, you need to talk to this guy. You need to talk to this guy. And it was getting dark. And I don't know if you know anything about the jungle, but if it gets dark in the jungle, you just sit wherever you're at because you'll get lost or something will get you. You know, you kind of like try to make a little fire and protect yourself. Um, 
And so it was getting dark, so he didn't want to, like, he didn't want to waste any time. But he says, okay, I'll, I'll give in. He gave in to the Holy Spirit and just shared the gospel with this guy and talked to him about the free grace, the hope that we can have in Christ. It was just a simple uh, gospel message. The guy didn't pray to receive Christ, um, but to make this long story a little bit short, that was the guy that dad witnessed to that didn't kill us. And so there's a purpose and a plan, and he gave him this hope. That whole town was full of just Satanism, and there was no hope. There was nothing there. And so when we planted this church there, it brought hope to this city. Also, unbeknownst to me, as eight years old, I was playing with my friend that uh, lived across the street um, in another house, a little bit bigger house. And so I, was, I got to know him and play with him and, and things like that. And we were renting the, actually the house adjacent from, from them. And this guy was the local drug lord of the town. So between the, you know, like the, the witch doctors and the local drug lord, they kind of ran everything. And we got to know this family, and dad would share the gospel with this drug lord that had people killed every day, you know. And we had built this relationship with him. And, and I was actually talking to my dad about this the other day. And, and through God's sovereignty and his protection, we had formed this relationship, and he was this, actually this drug lord protected us from a lot of other things that could have killed us or people that were trying to get us. And so through God's sovereignty and how he's working and protecting us and this hope that we have, he kept us alive. And so no witch doctor, no drug lord, no bullet, no terrorist, no ISIS, no anything can touch you until it's your time to go. So God has a purpose and a plan and a hope for every single one of you. And we need to get on board with what that plan is. And so we don't have to fear of what's around the corner. We just go out and do what he wants us to do. If he calls us to stay here, support local missions, to be a witness to your coworkers, to your friends at school, or if he calls you to go to the foreign field and, and witness abroad, um, that's part of his plan, and he will protect you. And as I'm looking at some other verses, and if we can uh, uh, put up that verse of Hebrews 6.18 up there, it says, So that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have taken refuge uh, would have a strong encouragement to take hold of this hope set before us. This hope we have as an anchor of the soul, a hope both sure and steadfast. Eliot's commentary says, which hope uh, we have as an anchor of the soul, a beautiful image introduced uh, for a moment only to set forth the security of the soul. Though tossed by the waves of trouble, this symbol of hope, so familiar to us in Christian art, is not mentioned in the Old Testament, but found in Greek proverbial sayings, and the word anchor appears on ancient coins. And I have a couple pictures of, of some of those uh, coins and then uh, of, of an anchor. And... Um, the people back then understood that this anchor was their stronghold, you know, and, and it was a good stronghold that, that kept them safe. And so that imagery back then in this Greek time, in the New Testament time, they would understand that this anchor was a sure thing, and that's what they based their faith on. So much so that even the secular people had money that had an anchor on it. And that's what we have in our Christian life is this anchor that holds us, that's secure, 
that will not let us be tossed around in, in the waves of this, of this life that we struggle through. He is our secure foundation. And as was read this morning, as John the Baptist was kind of the forerunner that paved the way, that made the way for Christ, uh, the same way, the same thing happened with these guys. Um, you'd have a big ship, but they couldn't get too close to the shore because it might be real rocky or they get stuck in the sand. And so you had these guys that would get on these small boats and take these. And you see the pictures up here. These were kind of like the anchors, and they'd put like a chain through them or a rope through them, and they would be a forerunner, and they'd take these boats and throw these anchors into the more shallow water, but then hook that chain or that rope back up to the big ship so it wouldn't be tossed around all over the place. But if it wasn't for these forerunners, that ship would have been crashed into the rocks and probably destroyed the whole ship. And that's why it's so important, even though it seems like a small job, that these forerunners would prepare this way for the big ship. And as we read, John the Baptist prepared the way for Christ so that we could have that sure foundation uh, in our life. Also in Romans 5, 2 through 5, it says, Through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. Um, And we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. More than that, we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit um, who has been given to us. And it's so important. I really like this verse, and this verse really just grabs a hold of me and in and, and the ministry that we do with missionary kids because a lot of times missionary kids and, you know, pastor's kids, we have this pressure on us of being performing perfectly. And we can't sin and we can't make mistakes. We can't be ourselves. And so there's this shame that comes along with it if, when we do mess up. And so this verse right here to me shows us that through this suffering but but this character produces hope, and this, and this hope does not put us to shame. And so we can rely on Christ that he will never shame us. You know, God will never bully his way into your life. God will never shame you into salvation, because that wouldn't be true salvation anyways, right? He wins you over through his loving kindness and gives you a security, gives you a hope that passes all understanding. And that's hard for us to understand as humans because we're very works-based, right? That's why every religion in the world, except for Christianity, is a works-based religion, right? So we've got to earn this. You've got to pay this money to get your parents out of purgatory and this and that. You've got to earn your way and pray a hundred times, go to Mecca, do all this other stuff. But Christ says, I've got a free gift for you. There's nothing that you have to do. All you have to do is receive it. It's a personal relationship with him. And that's so freeing for missionary kids. That's so freeing for us as human beings that we don't have to be restricted to that. And that's just set a lot of my missionary kids free. As I sit down and disciple them and I invest my life into them, they say, Jordan, wow, this is freedom, man. And and they come to know Christ as their personal Savior, and it changes their life. And so that's what that same uh, purpose and that same hope um, you can have also if you don't have that personal relationship in Christ. Romans uh, fifteen thirteen says, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. Our hope for this present life brings us peace and joy, 
a peace and joy that sustains through hardships, trials, and temptation. And then we all know the famous verse, Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. And so not only do we have this eternal hope that one day we'll look forward to having this security in heaven, which is great, but we have this, this hope that's every day that we can overcome anything that's in our lives. And I know that all of us struggle with something. There's, we, 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 we are prone as human beings. Um, we are prone to addictions. We're prone to sin. And Christ gives us this hope and this certainty and this strength uh, to overcome these trials in our lives. And so as we conclude with this think, dwell, our eternal and present hope from Christ is real, living inside of us at all times if we have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And I pray that every single person in this room has a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. But I know as for myself, I didn't have that personal relationship with Jesus Christ for 18 years. But if you'd have known me, you'd know my parents. Oh, yeah, that's Dean and Linda Self. They are missionaries. And their sons and daughters are Christians too. And I had it all up here, but I didn't have it in my heart. I could say all the right things. I was at church every time the doors were open. And I did this. I was a missionary kid and these things. But I didn't have that personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And it was a simple gospel presentation from a Sunday school teacher. And I realized that I needed that personal relationship with Jesus Christ. But it was hard to do because I had to admit that I didn't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And everybody thought I did. And I wonder how many of us, especially here in America, who have it up here, but don't have it here. We go through the motions and we almost trick ourselves. You know, there's a famous quote, if you tell a lie long enough, loud enough, and often enough, you start believing it in yourself. But do you really have that certainty? I remember one time uh, when I was a youth pastor, um, somebody came up to one of my committee members and says, Jordan preaches the gospel too much. I was like, isn't that what we're supposed to do? (laughs) I don't know. But anyways, I just wanted to share that gospel presentation because there might be somebody here that might not have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Let's close in a word of prayer. Father God, I thank you so much for this time that you've given us, this time to come and worship you, the freedom to come and talk about your word openly. A lot of countries that if we were to do what we were doing today, we'd be thrown in prison or or killed. And so far in this country, we have this freedom to do that. And we thank you and we glorify you. And I pray that you remind us of this hope that we have in you, eternal and for everyday life. Lord, go with us today. Uh, Remind us uh, of this hope. And thank you for every single person in this room. Thank you for this, the kindness um, and the prayers from this church. And I pray that you will just bless them a hundredfold in your name. Amen.